0: Rap Podcast, we will jump right into our NFL discussion. And we're going to talk a little bit about the playoffs. We're going to talk about the uh placements for the NFL draft, which have now been finalized. Pretty much seeds one picks one through eighteen. The rest of the picks will be determined once the end of the playoffs uh are complete. But we're going to talk Eagles. We're going to talk this playoff bracket and We're going to talk about that draft again. So in the NFC, here's the playoff picture. The NFC, the Packers yesterday with the win, uh, end up getting the number one seed. And as you know, folks, there has been a change in the playoff routine. Usually, normally in the playoffs, the number one and number two seed would end up with a bye uh, in the NFL playoffs. But they've switched that. And this year, there's only going to be one team with a bye. So you had to play your butts off to get to that number one seed. So, again, in the NFC, the Packers have solidified that number one seed. Number two will go to the New Orleans Saints. Number three is the Seattle Seahawks. Number four is going to the Washington football team. Number seven will be the Bears. Number six is the Rams. And number five will be the Bucks. And once I give you the setup for the AFC, we're going to go back to this NFC. And talk a little bit about that and how this played out. Uh, in the AFC, the Chiefs, with the top record in the NFL at 14-2, and two, have the number one seed in the buy in the AFC. The Bills are at number two. The Steelers are number three. The Titans are number four. Number five is the Ravens. Number six is the Browns. And number seven is the Colts. All right. Now, I might have mentioned that backwards, but I'll get to that, and I'll clear that up for you with the East, with the NFC. I'm sorry. Uh, this weekend, starting Saturday, January the 9th, playoffs begin the wild card round begins. You will have Indianapolis going to Buffalo at 105, the early game. The afternoon game, the late afternoon game, will be the L.A. Rams at Seattle. And the closeout, the night game for Saturday, will be Tampa Bay at Washington. On Sunday, the early game, Baltimore will be at Tennessee. Then the mid-afternoon game, Chicago will be at New Orleans. And the nightcap for Sunday, Cleveland will face off against Pittsburgh again. So let's go back to the NFC for a second. And if you look at the AFC real quick, and I'm going to give you the records. Um, I'm just not going to give you the names, I'm just going to give you the numbers and I'm actually just going to go in order from 1 through 7 and the records of the teams that are there. You got 14-2 and two with the bye, number 1. And you got 13-3, and 12-4. And, and from 4 through 7, the records are 11-5, which looks pretty decent for it. Which is kind of what you would expect for a playoff scenario. And we bounce back and we get back to the East, or the NFC. I'm sorry, the NFC. And I keep saying East because the East – The NFC East is a big reason why there's so much of a shakeup or so much of a disparity in the NFC. You have the number one seed at 13 and 3, the number 2, 12 and 4, the number 3, 12 and 4. You get to the number 4 seed. You have the Washington football team, the record of 6 and 10, hosting a playoff game with a record of 6 and 10. Behind them, teams 5, 6, and 7. Have a record respect have records respectively of eleven and five, 10 and six, and eight and eight. Now, seeds one through four are the division winners, and number four is the Washington football team, who are the division winners for the NFC East, the lowly NFC East, where you now have again a team in the playoffs. The worst record of any team in the playoffs at 6 and 10 but they won a the division so they're in but they're a team they're hosting a team that is 11 that has a record of an 11 and 5 record go figure it just doesn't seem right for that to happen um as far as the playoffs and what goes on and what goes on with the playoffs like i said you usually expected to be in the respects of the way the afc is set up but unfortunately the nfc east was a very very poor division this year and it showed when it came down to the last two games or the last yeah the last two games in the last week of the season it was a division they were playing each other the cowboys played the giants and the eagles played washington at this particular point, Robert Reeves, thanks for tuning in. At that particular point, there was all but one team still in the running to win the division. But a lot of things had to happen. Okay, The Giants took care of what they needed to do. They won. Yeah, the, the NFC East is an embarrassment, Rich. Every team does stink in that division. Like I said, you got the Washington football team at 6-10 and 10 hosting an 11-5 and five Bucks team who will probably beat them and just get them finished right away and get them out of the playoffs. So they're there, like I said, just because they won the division and they get that right because they won the division. Uh, So you look at the NFC and you see the disparity. It's not much disparity, but like I said, because the entire division was so bad, we knew and we talked about this for the last couple weeks, somebody has to win a division and somebody will make it to the playoffs with a subpar record. And thus we have it. Howie, thanks for checking in. And thus we have it, the Washington football team, team with no name for that matter as well. 6-10 and 10 record, not a winning record, but because of the division, they win the division and they get in. And uh, it's just really strange how that played out. You know, like I said, the division was extremely bad from the very beginning. It was bad the entire season. And I know there were injuries and other things involved and COVID and all of that. But for the most part, the division was just bad. Regardless of everything else that went on, the division was just bad. And it shows and it showed yesterday. So that's where you stand in the nfc and i just don't get it you know i think they may need to tweak the playoffs again uh for the uh, nfl because i understand that they added a game and they wanted to have more games on saturday some of that first weekend of the playoffs but again like i said you have a team that's six and ten hosting an 11 and five team in the playoffs lynch mob thanks for tuning in sorry the eagles couldn't do what they were supposed to do for you guys yesterday but right now it is what it is and the nfc well again they need to i think they might need to tweak the playoffs again and it's just weird like i said it just looks weird because, again, like they normally do, the team that wins the division gets in the playoffs. Division is this bad, you might have to tweak that. Because, in all honesty, you really can't sit here and sell me and make me or force me to believe that a team 6-10 and 10 should be in the playoffs and hosting a playoff game for that matter. They are hosting a team that could very easily have been the number four seed if they didn't do the way they do and go by division winners getting the top 4 seeds. So I think they may need to tweak that. Kevin Wolf, thanks for tuning in. They they may need to tweak that a little bit again. And then you bounce over to the AFC. And the AFC is pretty much in order of what you would expect as a fan looking for the playoffs. Like I said, you got 14 and 2, 13 and 3, 12 and 4, and then the rest of the teams are 11 and 5. Those are teams that deserve to be in the playoffs and have a chance to win or fight for the Super Bowl and possibly win the Super Bowl. And I said, team at 6-4, and 8-8 eight and eight is still a stretch as well, but 6-10 and 10 and hosting the game is really, really strange. It's really disturbing a little bit for me, if you will. So, with that being said, those are the playoff seedings. That's how the playoffs are set. And of course, we will continue with our scores and things and such when we get into the playoffs. So I'm going to get into the draft order. Now, there was talk last week about the draft order being set, but now it is officially set for the first 18 picks for the teams that did not make the playoffs. Again, team uh selections 19 through 32 will be determined after the playoffs. Let's see here, got my first comment. Or my second comment of the day, Dennis Lynch. He says the Eagles will pay for what you did to the Giants last night. That that was real Bush league. Yeah, Lynch. I, I I have to just jump in real quick and talk about that. Like I was talking to Rock of the Morning Rush before he left out. I was watching that game, and I had a small window of hope with Jalen Hurts playing. Then we look up, and it's the end of the fourth, is going into the fourth quarter, early in the fourth quarter, and Jalen Jalen Hurts is, is sat down for Nate, Nate Sutfeld. Which I, I didn't understand. At that point, I saw two plays. First play, he scrambled out. Nothing was there. He threw it at, at someone's feet. The next one, he tried to go deep and it was picked off. At that point, I turned the TV off, turned the game off. Started watching something else. It was like, I, I'm done. I didn't need to see any more. Now, mind you, the, the, Red, the I'm to say Redskins, the Washington football team, at that point, they were 17 14. So they only scored three more points. They ended up winning 20 to 14. But nonetheless, what was the point of playing Nate Sudfeld at that particular point? Um, Nate, thanks for tuning in. Doug has been on record and said that he just wanted to get sudfield some playing time see what he could do at what point does that even matter now um you, the game that you played last night you were just completing the schedule playing out the schedule there was nothing in it for you so yeah not to kick the field goal absolutely you could have tied the game up and you decided to go for the touchdown it's like fourth and five you're in field goal range you take the points you know, like I said, although I know and you knew that there was nothing in it for you, but you still got to play football. It made no sense to just give that away. Um, you got the interception, and you still didn't score a point. So it is mind boggling to with some of the decision making that decisions that were made yesterday. And again, you play Nate Sudfield for what? You might as well had let Jalen Hurts play that game out. Obviously, you're thinking about him being the possible starter next year. It depends on what happens in the offseason, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But I didn't really see a point in playing Nate Suffield the remainder of that game for what reason. Like I said, Washington had everything to gain, everything to lose. So there was no pressure on you. So what was the point in playing Nate Sudfeld? And I'm not buying – the the simplicity of your answers and your responses, and you saying that you just wanted to get him some reps. This guy hasn't played all year. So why would you wait until the season is over in this final game? You start Jalen Hurst. You're still in the game, mind you. You still have an opportunity to go out on a winning note as a team, as a unit, and then you put Sudfeld in, and, and, yeah, things are where they are right now so draft order for the first 18 teams and these are the 18 teams that did not make the playoffs uh number one the number one seed will go to the jaguars now the jets will get the number two the dolphins who ironically have two picks in this early part of this first round they got this number three pick um via houston in a trade or whatever deal they made with them falcons will have number four the Bengals, number five eagles will be at number six Number seven is the Detroit Lions. Number eight, the Panthers. Broncos are at number nine. The Cowboys at number 10. The Giants at 11. 49ers at 12. Chargers at 13. The Vikings, 14. The Patriots, 15. Cardinals, 16. 17 is the Raiders. And again, the Dolphins close out this first 18 at number 18. Um, yeah, Richard says Nate was put in the game to make sure they lost the game. To get the sixth pick. Yeah, Rich, I I can understand where you would say that so they can get that sixth pick. But but the guys that are leading, the guys that are fielding the draft and doing what they do, still got question marks on what are they going to do with that pick. We know what the needs are. Same needs that have been for the past several years. And we've seen the picks. So, going to be interesting to see what is done with that pick Um, you, you, you say you put Nick Sudfeld Nick Sudfeld in to assure that number six pick but now it's more looking at what are you going to do with that pick who are you going to take with that pick where is the mind frame of Howie Roseman who is expected to be returned next week Uh let's see the Eagles Lynch says the Eagles shouldn't trade him Let him rumble for his job. Wentz needs to show some heart. Lynch, I I totally agree with that. And this is one of the things that I mentioned last week when we talked about that. Richard said 10 wideouts picked over the past last five years shows this team can't draft. Absolutely. So that's why I'm a little skeptical about them having this number six pick. But getting back to Lynch's comments, and they said they shouldn't trade him. Talked about it last week. If they trade him the end of this season, this offseason, it's going to be a huge cap hit. I don't think that they are ready for that cap hit. And I also was wanting to say that if they're allegedly or their reports rumored that Doug is going to be back, and I just saw something earlier this morning that said that Doug has the confidence in Carson and feels like he can get back to his old form, then you have to kind of have an open competition in training camp when it comes up. Because, again, unless you get a king's ransom, you're you're going to be stuck with that cap hit. And it's a huge, huge cap hit. And the way you can look at it is you have an all-out uh, battle for that quarterback position in training camp. And you see what happens. Uh, Robert Reeves says, he says, I'm the biggest Eagles fan, but I'm upset with Doug's decision to basically tank the game to improve your draft status. You have to protect the integrity of the game. The Giants should be upset with the Eagles and the league should find the organization for this Bush League move. Absolutely. Um, again, I, I don't understand the reasoning behind it. Um, your selections have been poor at best in the last several years. Um, so why did you want to lose the game to assure yourself that number six pick we can watch and we can see all the rumors of who is on their radar but it means nothing until they make the right pick which i am skeptical about howie making the right pick at number six i still don't understand it and again you know it's been three four years now we moved into 21 but three years since the super bowl And they've gotten progressively worse since winning the Super Bowl. You could argue and you can discuss and you can say injuries were a big part of it. Yeah, they did get get hit by the injury bug pretty bad the last couple years. But after the Super Bowl, and this was expected, some coaches were going to be looked at to take on other jobs, head coaching jobs or other positions, and that happened. Then you have to pick it up. I really think that Doug Peterson needs to – Brad, thanks for tuning in, because I really think that Doug needs to think more wholeheartedly and more sincerely about hiring an offensive coordinator to handle the majority of the play calling because he he's gotten to be very, very predictable. And – you know, I just think with the organization and the way that they have been run over the past few years and the type of owner that Jeffrey Lurie is, I think that this next coming season, 21, 22, the next season is going to be to make a break for Doug and Howie since there's been reports that they both will be retained. So if they don't make good on this upcoming season, then I think they will part ways with them. And again, I just think that's just the nature of Howie, I mean, not Howie Roseman, of uh, Jeff Lurie and the nature of the organization where these guys just won your Super Bowl three years ago. And they're going to take into consideration the Eagles, the injuries, the subpar play of Carson Wentz, who has declined since then. And I think they're going to try and fix it internally and then they'll move on from there if it doesn't work out um, this offseason. But. Nonetheless, there definitely has to be some changes made. And I'm saying this all the way across the board. You know, it's ironic that the defensive line led the league in sacks on a four-win team. Richard says, running the same sets three years, now bland, predictable, vanilla offense. Absolutely. It's one of the things I just said. And I give a lot of kudos to the defensive line. And... In the defense of Jim Schwartz as the defensive coordinator, so you notice that if I posted and I mentioned it, that he's taking a year off and he's going to decide what he wants to do. I think that is preempting being put on the hot seat or being put in the hot seat. Uh, but in a small way, slightly in his defense, because of the draft picks, because of the personnel, and the style of defense that he likes. I think he tried to put guys in positions to fit into his offense, to put guys where they needed to be. But you had guys playing that just didn't have the talent to be starters in the NFL at this point. And that's not saying that they can't grow into being a starter. you got a lot of these young guys who were on the practice squad, who barely played, and then they're thrown into a game Against the best receivers, the best team, best football players in the world. And you expect them to hold it down, and, and it just doesn't work like that. It just doesn't work like that. So we got to start with personnel moves, and then you can move into the coaching. But again, like I mentioned when I talked about Carson Wentz and who was to blame for the position that the Eagles are in right now, I told you it's enough blame to go around. It's not just one person, it's enough to go around. It's all the way across the board, up and down. The latter. So with that being said, staying with the Eagles, um, Richard says no linebackers besides Slade, The secondary is a mess, right? The D line can only do so much. Absolutely. That's why I say it's a little ironic that the defensive line led the NFL in sacks on a subpar football team. So that means that the defensive line was the heart and soul of the team just to put it bluntly. And the secondary, you bring in Darius Slay, and he can't play the entire secondary. He can only do but so much. And because Jim, Jim Schwartz's style was more so man-to-man, he basically had to cover the best team's receiver. But the rest of the guys with little or no experience just didn't hold up. On the back end of that defense, the linebackers, subpar. Of course, subpar. You had guys that were here that could have possibly been better than what you had. You let these guys get away. One in particular, Jordan Hicks, plays for the Cardinals. Good linebacker. Could have grown into something, but you let him get away. You move on to the other side of the ball with the Eagles, the offensive side of the ball. The talent, as far as in the wide receiver position, is just not there. Deshaun Jackson came back last week. He made one touchdown, the long bomb, did a flip somersault into the end zone, and then he gets hurt and you don't hear from him again. Injury prone, he's on a decline in his career. It is just what it is. The other receivers, I don't know what you saw in these guys, but it's a different ballgame between college and the NFL. These guys can't get open. The coach has to, uh, Bradley Day says, the offensive line need help. Players are older, need some more leaders in the locker room. Absolutely. Um, you let Malcolm Jenkins go away. And he said it in an interview. It wasn't about the money. It was about the treatment and how he was treated as far as um, personnel and things of that nature. But the Eagles have a lot of work. Like I said, on the on the offensive side of the ball, I was on the receivers. You need to find some receivers that know how to get open. Some receivers that can catch the ball. You need to draft some offensive linemen who can back up some of your older players. At one point, a year or two ago, the Eagles arguably had the best offensive line in football. But these guys get older, and there was no contingency plan, no solid backups for these guys. You had 13 or something different offensive line lineups throughout this season, which is unheard of. You're not going to win many games like that. You change the style of play of your franchise or your alleged franchise quarterback, knowing that the talent on the outside is subpar. So you want him to stay in the pocket and do things that he's not comfortable with. And I give him a little bit of credit because he did try it; just didn't work. You have to adjust, and then you put in Jalen Hurts, and you adjust it to him. And I did mention that at some points in those early, those first couple games, Jalen Hurts was doing some things; he was making quicker decisions and making decisions that Carson Wentz had not been making. I did say that, and I and I stay stand stand pat with that. But as a coach, you added plays in for him where if he didn't see anything there, he can take off and run. That's the type of quarterback he is. What you needed to do with Carson Wentz was you needed to get him more comfortable, get him back to what he did, get him outside of the pocket, get him rolling out. And people are going to say the last two years, excluding this past very past season, he got the team into the playoffs with subpar talent on the outside. It's because he willed away. He had a little bit better offensive line. When you don't have a a solid offensive line, when your offensive line changes from week to week, it becomes more difficult and it gets harder to stay on pace of what you're doing or what you plan to do or what you had doing. And things change from season to season. So this season was just bad all the way across the board from start to finish. All the way across the board, like I said, up and down the ladder. It was just bad. The entire division was bad, but nonetheless, we're talking about the Eagles right now and it was just bad. And, if there are not any significant changes made in the offseason, I don't think it's going to get much better. Uh, the only thing that you have to look forward to is that the whole entire division was bad. That That's kind of like the silver lining in this cloud, that the entire division was bad. So we'll see what happens. But th- there needs to be some things changed all the way across the board. And hopefully they can right this ship. Hopefully they can do some things in the offseason and get this thing moving back in the right direction. Still yet to see, still yet to be judged, Uh, and we'll see what happens with that. It is now 11.45, 45 minutes past the 11 a.m. hour. It's enough of the football stuff for right now. Like I said, we've got your playoffs to set. Playoffs begin Saturday and Sunday. I gave you those schedules. You have them now, and we will definitely be uh, reporting the scores on those next Monday. But we're going to take our first break. After the break, we will get into some NBA talk, and then we'll have some other stories sprinkled in in between there. But you are tuned in to Sports Rap Heat 100 Radio. It's your boy D, signing out right now. I will see you on the other side in a couple minutes. Your second segment of today's episode of sports rap podcast and we will get into our nba segment right now i want to give you some scores from yesterday's games we're gonna talk a little nba talk a little bit steph curry talk some sixers and ride this train on out till the end so kicking it off we have got scores from yesterday the Celtics defeat the Pistons 122 to 120. The Wizards defeat the Nets 123 to 122. The Lakers defeat the Grizzlies 108 to 94. The Nuggets beat the Timberwolves 124 to 109. The Jazz 130, the Spurs 109. The Mavericks 108, the Bulls 118. Clippers 112, the Suns 107. And the Blazers fall to the Warriors 137 to 122 behind the 62 point outing of one steph curry so stay there for a little bit 62 points career high for steph curry and comes against the blazers who are reportedly considered one of the top teams in the western conference right now we know what the Warriors' situation is but they are fighting uh, they got Draymond Green back in the lineup, and they still have Seth, Steph Curry. I'm thinking seven, thinking Sixers already. Still have Steph. And, you know, some of those young guys are beginning to perform and are taking some tutelage from the elder statesmen, and they're doing some things there. It's a little surprising. You didn't think that they would be where they are right now. And this basketball season is just been – pretty good so far um uh, the sixers right now are five and one they sit at the top of the atlantic division the division that and it has the nets in the division who during during their offseason activities looking into this season looking forward to this season after the bubble were considered arguably to be the team to beat uh besides the or the team to give the most competition to the milwaukee bucks in the east uh toronto is starting to show their age with some of those guys and they just have to get on the ball get things rolling and the nets um are not when they the beginning the first couple games for the nets you know you, you saw signs of wow this, this could be tough um but are i think three and two right now or maybe even three and three but again, it's still early. Like I said, we're only somewhere we are only between seven and eight games in to the 72-game season. And you, you do have to remember that some of these guys, the teams that were in the bubble, some of these players didn't have the full resting period that they normally have um, during the offseason. So it's going to take some time for these guys to get reacclimated and get into a rhythm. And it's just surprising that, they started out and i'm t- still talking about the nets they started out hot and then they've been they've cooled off a little bit um in the last week or so so it- it's not to say or i'm not sitting here saying that oh this is the end of them it- it's a surprise that they won't be this I-, I think teams will get it together like i said you got washington i think it's like two and something and they made the big move and got russell westbrook again like i said you would expect the raptors to be at the top of the pack, and they're not right now. So it's going to take some time. Uh, And some of these teams will turn around. Some of these teams may not turn around. But we do have Sixers talk for the most part. And right now, as the games continue, I see things getting to that coming-together stage. The up until the last game against the Hornets and they have a back to back with the Hornets again tonight. This was Friday. Up until that game, there was a lot of chatter um, and a lot of questions about one Danny Green. And he was one of the players that I just mentioned that was in the bubble and he was on the Lakers last year. He played up until October and then the season started in December. So it was not really a lot of time for him to get rest. And then he goes to OKC. He gets traded to OKC. He's there for maybe a week or so, and then he gets traded to the Sixers. So there's a lot of catching up for him to do. Um, If you will, for lack of a better phrase, he could kind of say he had a little bit of a breakout game against the Hornets where he got into a rhythm early, and he hit the shots that we normally know or we normally expect him to hit. Uh, So he's growing. He's getting into a rhythm now. You also saw the last two or three games what you expected from Seth Curry. Uh, I talked to someone, and I mentioned that he was an upgrade, a slight upgrade on J.J. Reddick. And people would probably say, well, J.J. Reddick, I'm not discrediting what J.J. Reddick did when he was here. It was great having him here. Unfortunately, things got into the financial situation, and they didn't keep him, they didn't retain him. But that's a whole different story. But you bring in a guy like Seth Curry. And the reason I say he's a slight upgrade of uh, J.J. Redick is he's not really a liability on the defensive end. He can play up and play defense. And then he can dribble enough to get a better, get a different shot. Um, So that's what I mean when he's the upgrade, a slight upgrade from J.J. Redick. And he's beginning to make his mark on this team, do what the things that we expected when – Um, you know, that this decision was made to bring him in. So, also, we talked a little bit about Tobias Harris. There were still questions. Um, His last two games were pretty good. So maybe um, there's some accountability going on. There's some talk going on with the coaches and the coaching staff and and the head coach, and things are getting starting to look a little bit better. I mean, we'll definitely get agreed tonight with the third game. Well, not the third game, but – with another game tonight to see where he is, see if he continues on this little two-game stretch that he's on. Two, two pretty good games from him. Uh, again, I was a little surprised at the one move um, against Charlotte where he drove to the basket and let out a ferocious dunk. And again, like I said, it's still early in the season. So you're getting signs from the Sixers that you expected when you saw this roster being put together on paper. And I think the the leadership roles of Danny Green and Dwight Howard are beginning to come into play and it's beginning to show. Uh Dwight Howard again, after the game was out on the court with some of the young players, trying to coach them up, trying to get them acclimated to the speed and the nuances of the nba game and some of the things that they want to do as an organization within their new system so i think that's great i also like the fact that there is heavy confidence coming from danny green and his confidence with ben being able to shoot uh i am still indifferent with a lot of people with a lot of people still want him to shoot that three-pointer he shot one the other day no hesitation courted in rhythm and knocked it down fine and well what I want to see from Ben Simmons is I want to see him shoot that foul line, that 15-footer, that mid-range shot. Uh against Charlotte, he made a concerted effort to go downhill and go to the basket and get in the post, get in the post against the smaller guards, which is okay. I'm okay with that. But I still need him to shoot the ball at that mid-range level. I think that will continually or continue, continue to open up things for Danny Green uh, because of the style of offense that Danny Green gives us. Uh, I think that will also help Seth Curry. We see the big fella as being dominant, and once this team gets some more familiarity with each other, And as far as helping JoJo out and getting to their right spots where he can pass out of double teams will make it even better. Um, I like the fact that JoJo was not settling at times for the three-point shots. The three-point shots that he's been taking, I'm okay with because they were like I explained that I'm okay with him shooting. He's there already, bends in the post. It's not enough room for both of them because of their size, so he's on the perimeter. If Ben gets doubled and he's there on that side and you kick it and it's a three, he's wide open, of course, you shoot that. Uh, But I do like the fact that he is commanding the ball in the post. Um, He is wanting to take on that challenge of his opponent, you know, especially if it looks like he can do some things, which he has been able to do in in the most past several games. Um, He sat out one game because of back tightness, you know, and then everybody was in the, oh, well, here we go with this again, whatever, whatever. I, I I still am okay with that game. He had back tightness, whatever. That's fine. But when he got back on the court, he went right back into showing us that he wants to be that dominant player in the post, which we've all been um, looking for for the past year or so. I think now one of the differences is the coaching staff and. and the, again, that word that I talked about way back when, the accountability factor. Um, you saw, you know, when I watch games, I like to watch, as we say here, the game within the game. I saw Doc coaching in the game. I saw Doc um, yelling and getting on some players, including Ben and Joel um, and Shake, the guys that he feels are key players in this new, or on this new team. Um, he even got on Dwight a little bit, you know, so I think there's a difference there. Uh, I said it last week, and it was a quote from Ben Simmons, and I'm just going to paraphrase right now. He said they appreciate Doc more than they have in their coach in the past because he's not going to sugarcoat anything for you. He's going to tell you what you need to do or what needs to be done for you to be successful, and I totally get that, and as a player, you can't ask for for anything more than that, out of uh, your head coach, you want your head coach to put you in the position to be as dominant and and, and as uh get the best ten- get the best out of you and be as dominant as you can be on that basketball court. so there's still a way to go. you know I've been talking to people, and I've said, give them maybe a month in you know it's not quite a month yet, like I said, it's only six games into the season. they're five and one. But in a couple games, they showed me something. In that Washington game, they showed me something. They came back and they won. Um, In the Orlando game, they came back and then they put that team away. Against Charlotte, they got up on them early and they put them away. They kept their foot on the gas, which I think is an extension of the coaching staff now, where you're in the NBA, you've got teams that you're supposed to beat. If you want to become one of those elite teams as far as looking at rosters and makeup when you go up against teams like orlando and charlotte as far as the sixers where their predictions are where they look to be where they have been projected at, is between six and seven in most of the team rankings in the nba so far these are teams that you're supposed to beat and they did that and again like i said they showed me Something the last two games on the defensive end where they dug in and focused on defense, and then that created offense for them. Uh, Last two games, very good shooting nights for them, especially that Charlotte game. Uh, Very good shooting night for them. I think they shot 17, 18 out of 20 something threes, which is great. It's just the changes that were made as far as on paper, as far as the roster moves to allow them to do that. Again, you still had Joel being the dominant Joel that we want to see more of in him in those two games. The, they have a, a somewhat back-to-back against Charlotte tonight, so they, I'm looking for another win tonight. The backtracking a little bit and going back to that Cleveland game, I, I think that was a somewhat of a wake-up call for them. And I think it was presented to them in practice and after that game by the coaching staff, what they should expect as far as the coaching staff and that team, what they should have expected as far as playing that game. And I think they kind of took them for granted. Um, Cleveland is a team that kind of goes in. Danielle, thanks for tuning in. Cleveland, if you look at the way the rosters are made up between those two, the Sixers and Cleveland, Cleveland is a team that you would easily say, yeah, the Sixers should beat them. They laid an egg that particular game, and they didn't win that game. They just got beat. They got out hustled. You know, they got outplayed. The Cleveland Cavaliers, but that particular game, shot the bell, shot the ball extremely well. And again, Joel did not play. So there was an advantage for um, Cleveland as far as getting to the basket and finishing around the rim and then opening up shots that they just knocked down open shots. So it was a very good night for them coming off of a back, back-to-back, um, the second game of a back-to-back for Cleveland. But it was just an all-around better game. They were just more prepared for that. And, again, like I said, they had nothing to lose. Looking at the roster makeup, it's like, oh, well, they – The Sixers looked at it like, oh, this is a team we should just go in and beat. And, you know, you got young players on that Cleveland team, hungry, feisty. Uh, The only difference is I see that there will be, or I feel that there will be a bigger, a huge difference when they play again when Joel Embiid plays. Um, He gives Andre Drummond problems. And Andre Drummond didn't have those problems that particular night, he got to play a lot more free. So, I think things will change the next time they play with Joel on the court for the Sixers. But that was just a game, and I just talked, that's their only loss so far. But I just chalked it up as them taking that team for granted, not being totally focused and prepared for them, and they just lost it, you know? And And then they turned the ball over. So, again, that just shows me that they took that team for granted. And they felt like because they were the superior team as far as talent wise on paper, that it should have just been easy, and they saw that it wasn't. And I think that helped them in the last two games that you saw, the Orlando game and the Charlotte game, where, again, you look at those teams and you say, oh, these are teams that the Sixers should beat, and then they beat them. Um, Orlando tried to give them a little bit of a run for their money, but they laced them up, tightened the shoes up, and got dug in deep on defense and did what they were supposed to do. The same thing they did against charlotte and they just beat them early and they just kept them down where they didn't have a chance um, we all know that basketball is a game of runs so teams are going to make runs but the sixers just held them off at every chance they tried to make a run and get back into that game and then you talk about the defense where i think it's going to for the sixers offense i think it's going to stem from them in defense and you've got ben simmons playing at a very high level on the defensive end right now and i think that's trickling down to some of the other players um with their defensive side of the ball their defense and i think that it's very early but i think that may harry scruggs thanks for tuning in i think that may become um the identity of this team is their defense because we all know defense brings offense or defense turns into offense. And now you have the tools where you can operate and use the talent of the players that you have. And it's going to take a little bit. Like I keep telling people, it's going to take a little bit. It's not going to happen overnight, but I think they will get it together. And I think they will be somewhere near the top of the East. Uh, The last two predictions I've seen or the last two projections I've seen had them six and seven. Happy new year to you too, Harry. Thanks. I see them going, see them being 6, 7, maybe even 5. I think once it all comes together, they can improve on that and be in that three, four, five range in the East. And it's going to take some work, but again, I think that this coaching staff is a little bit different than the previous coaching staff. The pieces that were added are being put in the right places to succeed. Um, I was just talking to someone the other day about Shake Milton, and one of the things I mentioned was I think now with Doc Rivers here, he has found the correct role for Shake Milton, where he can come off the bench, he can come in and do what he does, score the ball. You know, and don't get me wrong, Shake's not a bad player. And last year, I just felt like he was not ready to be the starter on a team at the level where the Sixers were, or where they were projected to be but I think now he has a definite role and he knows that he'll be on the court late in game. So he has nothing to overthink, um, when he goes out and plays, uh, Danny green is taking it in stride. Um, he's still being that leader and I'm going to talk a little bit about how he's being a leader and some of the things that he says about Ben Simmons and on this team, you got Seth Curry, who once I said last week, I felt like he needed to assert himself a little bit more in different stages of the offense, um, different stages of the game. And he has done that in the last several games. So I think it it will come together. Like I said, I don't think. I know it will come together. But you got to give this team maybe a month or so. And we haven't really played any other really good teams as of yet. So that's when I think we'll see where we are or we'll get a chance to kind of try and read where we are when we get to play some of these better teams in the uh, nba so continuing here and we talked about or i talked about the leadership roles of the veterans the howard and uh, danny green who were teammates last year on the lakers won the title last year danny green's third title Dwight howard's first but the leadership role and the confidence, and what they see in practice, because we're not in practice, we don't know what they see. But the confidence and the leadership roles that they're taking on, it is something that was missing from the Sixers as far as player personnel um, the past several years. I don't know if that was the case where they thought Al Horford could have helped with that last year. But the bottom line was it could have probably worked. But then again spacing and all of that it didn't work and then you had that ridiculous contract that daryl morey came in and got rid of almost immediately so we kudos to him for that but danny green still has confidence in, in ben um shooting the ball and like i said last week i see all the videos of him in training or in practice and shooting the ball consistently and knocking them down but then it gets to the game and then he doesn't continue it in the real game where we were live uh, sessions. Again, I think I don't feel that he needs to be shooting the three at an, uh, at an awful rate. Um, I think he needs to begin to shoot that mid range jump shot. Like I said, I'm okay with him having or being determined, having that concerted effort like he had against Charlotte where I'm going to just go to the basket. I'm going to play downhill. When I get the smaller guards on him, I'm going to post up and do what I need to do in the post. I'm okay with that, but I think in order to help Danny Green get more acclimated and get more into the offense, I think he has to start shooting that mid-range jump shot, and I think that will open up the space for the three-point shooters, but also create some things and some opportunities for Joel Embiid on the block. It will also help Tobias Harris on the wings as well. So, excuse me, Danny Green still believes that uh, Ben Simmons will begin to do that. And excuse me, there was an article that I saw, and I'm going to go through some of this right now, where um, it's being called like a mental thing with Ben Simmons or psychological thing. And it's been reported that he has begun to see um, or begin to work with the sports psychologist. So there's this big thing going into this article about him his left hand, him being his dominant hand, and you know, he said as a child, his dad would make him do things with his left hand, as opposed to him being right-handed, and yada, 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 so I think that's going to come down the line, I think there needs to be some determination of what hand he is, is, which is his dominant hand, you need to get that together, and I think things will change after that, and we all know that there's been the rumors and there's continual talk and it slows down then it pops back up again about the trading of ben simmons for james Harden, or using ben simmons as the possible star whoever to be traded and then they got into this article they got into some things it says reasons not to trade him yet okay one of the things they say is that ben is also a player he strives to be super efficient and he always chooses to make the best play for his team I agree with that, and, you know, I I like the fact that he does that. But, again, I still need to see him shoot that mid-range jump shot, and I need to see his free throw percentage go up, being the facilitator on the team, which means you'll have the ball in your hands a lot. So I need to see the uh, free throw shooting percentage increase a little bit um there are seven reasons that they listed i'm just going to run through them maybe talk a little bit about some of them in between why the sixers should not trade him yet Uh, number one it says he's 24 and really really good he's an all-star an all nba defense he's still double digit scoring good yes again but adding to that he could be even better if he adds that mid-range jump shot too. number two He's locked, to, he's locked into a five-year contract, and all of them are in his prime years. I agree. He can only get better. And I think with the coaching staff working with him right now, I think that will begin to happen very, very soon. His trade value is likely to be higher later. Health permitting is reasonable. To expect Simmons to be worth more by waiting, not less. He's not coming off his best yet because he's coming back from injury time. I agree, he's been injured, so you know it will be difficult to try and move him right now. Uh, Number four, he's going to see his second NBA coach. He learned from Brett and became Rookie of the Year and an NBA All-Star. So what might he learn from Doc? There's a lot of good things he can learn from Doc, Sam Cassell, uh, Popeye Jones, some of those other guys on that coaching staff right now. It's a little different makeup than the coaching staff under Brett Brown. He's seeing a sports psychologist who so acknowledges the lack of shooting is a problem. So that's another reason. He understands that his lack of shooting is somewhat a problem, and he's, doing, he's beginning to take the steps to try and rectify that. Um, six, Joel Embiid has openly stated he would love to stay in Philly his entire career with Ben Simmons. Sure, that would seem highly unusual in today's league, But the fact that he's even stated it as a goal is something for Philly to consider. It's the dirt does Dallas dream times two if if two young stars actually want to stick with one city in the NBA. And seven, last but actually first, Simmons still just might start shooting, even soon. With with his well-trained left hand, yes, he hasn't built, he hasn't, hasn't, but it still seems that he might just start breaking out some perimeter shots soon. So, I think with the tutelage of San Cassell and under the entire lookover of Doc Rivers, I think he will begin to shoot the ball some. Like I said, I was surprised and excited the other night when he shot that three-pointer. And again, it was in rhythm. He caught it. No hesitation. He just rose up and shot it, and he knocked it down. Didn't look like the form was bad. Didn't look like he was anxious or anything like that. It was just he looked comfortable shooting it. So I think that will come into play a little bit more. And I think the more that Danny Green and Sam Cassell stay on him and push him and urge him to do so, I think eventually he will begin to shoot the ball um, from the perimeter. And, again, depending on the situation, depending on the personnel I am okay with him playing like he played against Charlotte, playing downhill, going to the basket, posting up when he needs to post up. And I think they're beginning to get an understanding where both of those guys can't be in the post together. If Joe's in the post and Ben's on the perimeter and vice versa. The only difference right now is if Joe's on the perimeter, Joe will shoot the ball. But that I think that will come for Ben, like I said. It, it will come, and I think because he wants to make he normally wants to make the right basketball play for his team. The coaching staff now will eventually get him to start seeing that. I think the sports psychologist will, will eventually begin to have him start seeing that and realize that he does have to shoot the ball a lot more than he already does in order for this team to succeed in him being, and that being part of making the correct basketball play for his team and to help them win. So All in all, the Sixers look really good right now. Um, I am excited, but I'm not overly excited. Like I said, I'm excited, and I'm taking it game by game so far. Um, I'm sure we'll have some more in-depth discussion probably the middle of this month towards the end of this month, when we're a month, a little bit more, a little bit past a month into the season. When we get to play some of these games, I think we got the Nets coming up real soon. So we've got to get to some of these teams that, are considered the upper echelon or the better half of the NBA to see where they really are. But, again, I I am appreciative and I like the fact that the last two games, after that Cleveland debacle, the last two games, teams that you would think that they should beat, they went out and beat, and they really beat them. Um, I like the fact that they didn't get complacent with the league. They did what they had to do and kept the league and kept their foots on their throats you know, kick a team when they're down. This is what you have to do in the NBA because we all know the NBA is a game of runs. And a lot of these teams have players that help their teams in a way that if you give them the light or give them some hope or an opportunity, they will take advantage of it and get themselves back in the game and try to win because they really have nothing to lose, if, if you will, as opposed to where the Sixers are projected to be and where they're projected to come out um, throughout this season. So that will definitely change. I think things are going to get better for the Sixers. And I think that Danny Green is correct in his thoughts as far as uh, Ben beginning to shoot the ball. I think it's going to come. We just got to be a little patient. And people, we have to get off of the three-point shot. And I understand that's where the NBA game is today, the three-point shot, the long ball, the small ball or whatever but as the facilitator the main facilitator again in my opinion i need you to be able to shoot that mid-range jump shot foul line extended whatever 15 foot and i need your free throw percentage to go up because when you get in the post there are going to be more than likely you're going to be playing against a smaller defender in the post and you're probably going to get fouled some of those times so you'll need to increase your free throw percentage, Um, and like I said, being the main facilitator, you'll have the ball in your hands a lot, and certain situations where you'll get fouled, you'll need to be able to knock down free throws. With that being said, it's a wrap for today. You know, I'm ending a little early because I'm a little excited, and I want to get to uh, getting to my day started, first day, uh, not the first day, but the new year, and I'm going to leave it there, like I said, because it's still early in the season, and we still have some improvements to make. Yes, no doubt. I'm one to say that as a diehard fan. We still have some improvements to make. There's some wiggle room, and I think those improvements will be made. Uh, Tonight, again, they got the Charlotte Hornets, and I think they should get a win tonight. Um, I just hope that they do a lot of the things that they did Friday night, and they did it the other night against orlando on the defensive end and then if you get this lead you got to stay on top of this team you have to put them away early don't give them any opportunity don't give them any glimmer of hope that they can get back into the game and just finish them off because again when you look at it on paper this is a team that you should beat so with that being said tonight's nba schedule hornets at sixers Cavs at magic Knicks at the Hawks, the Thunder are at the Heat, Celtics are at the Raptors, Pacers face off against the Pelicans, the Mavericks go up against the Rockets, the Pistons face the Bucks, and the Kings are in uh, Golden State to face off against the Warriors. Shaboy D, you've just been entertained with some NBA and some Sixers talk for January the 4th, 2021 new day some new things coming up um as always we're here each and every monday 11 a.m to 1 p.m again i'm signing out a little early today but nonetheless i'm here i've been here and i will be here all week you'll find me on social media you know where to find me And facebook sports rap podcast is the group instagram at sports underscore d the webpage, page sports dot you can also check for videos and other uh past shows on YouTube, Sports Rap TV, and you can get me wherever you get your podcast. iHeart, Spreaker, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Just search Sports Rap Podcast. Uh, my emoji will come up. You'll see me. Looks just like me. And just click on that, subscribe to it, tune in, let me know what you think. And if there's anything you want me to discuss, please feel free to note it, note it in the group. Uh, on the comments on some of my posts, or send me messages through the group. Let us know what you want us to talk about, and tell us know how we're doing. Hopefully, we're looking forward to not hopefully, we are looking forward to a better, blessed New Year that we have started. We're four days in, so hopefully things will continue to be uh, good for you. They are good; they've been good for me so far, and I am going to definitely continue that. With that being said, it's your boy Sports Rap D. Signing out for today, I will see you all week on social media and right back here next week, 11 a.m., Heat 100 Radio for the Sports Red Podcast. Peace.